This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win... Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast, the 50 Years of Chelsea series that we love doing so much. And uh, tonight we're doing the 2001 to 2002 season and we left you hanging in part one uh, in at the end of the year, the end of the 2001 year, so December in the season. Uh, and Chelsea are in sixth position. Uh, we are in the semi-final of the League Cup and uh, obviously we're yet to play in the FA Cup. So you know, we, we're still in there fighting. And the first match of the new year uh, is against my kind of uh, local team nowadays and uh, from way back when, which, of course, is Southampton, who we get at home. Uh, a team we should have uh, put to the sword, really, JK. But... Well, we were all over them. We were 2-1 up. And... Um, um, Ida has scored a fantastic goal volley from um, Jimmy Floyd header, just knocked straight back to him. They'd scored from a BT free kick that was pretty good. Um, and then uh, Good Johnson passed to Jimmy Floyd, does that wonderful thing of just choosing his moment and then bapping it in. Um, and we're all over them. And they score from just a, a big boot up field. Pahas gets it and scores. And then a corner, Frank heads dreadfully across into the penalty area and it's headed in. And then the great Jukanovic moment, our great um, <coughs> the player for whom we have such approval, um, he gave it away. And what I loved about Jukanovic, not, um, he made no effort whatsoever to attempt to get it back. Oh, he did make some effort. It was just shit. No, in this instance, in this instance no effort made. Right. Okay. He gave it away. And some kind of red mist of, of the, not a red mist of anger came upon him, some kind of lack of energy, some kind of, oh my goodness, I've given the ball away. I can't possibly attempt to do anything about it. 
and he just stood there and was bypassed and um bt then just rifles in so um bt was a pretty good player at that time i have to say and he got um he got snaffled by Everton, didn't he, ultimately, and did, never played the same way again. He was but getting I think England he played call-ups. Yeah, he was getting he, England call-ups. He played for England yeah. during this period. He was, um, he was, he was very, uh, um, this was his, his purple patch. He looked very good. He scored goals from good angles He um, um, it, from long distance and was very competitive. Um, and we all thought that this was a, there was a big future for the boy. But um, after his move to Everton, he... I remember he did that wonderful thing in the Chelsea away game when he um, he headbutted was it headbutted Gallus was it um, um, and got sent off in the first few minutes um, and he was just never the same player as he had been under in at Saints. Clearly, clearly, Gallus, Gallus had a very hard head. It was that as well, yes, because it, yes, it. Uh, I think I think it was um, Beatty was more uh, affected by the the head. I think he was a bit like a lot of players of that era. You know, fame went to his head a bit, money went to their head a bit. Uh, Mark, talking of uh, fame and notoriety, something happened shortly after this game that was even worse than losing four two to Southampton. Uh, I did say in part one we weren't we weren't done yet uh, on the outside football uh, activities. Um, Another press story um, in between the Southampton game and the FA Cup tie we will talk about shortly with Norwich. Uh, John Terry was accused of hitting a nightclub bouncer um, in a nightclub in Knightsbridge, hitting him with a bottle. Um, Terry uh, and his pal Jody Morris went to the club with a player called Des Byrne. Don't remember him, played for Wimbledon apparently, don't remember him at all. they were asked to go upstairs from the basement bar to reception because allegedly Jody Morris had told the manager to fuck off. Um, not like Jody at all. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, guaranteed to get you asked to move up to the you know, upstairs at the point of leaving. While they're upstairs, as the story goes, and I don't know how true this is, um, and I don't don't realise because this is pre-football factory. I didn't realise he was that famous then. Apparently, John Terry asked the receptionist receptionist um, for a pen to get Danny Dyer's autograph um, who was passing he was in the nightclub and no sooner has Danny Dyer provided the autograph um, that it's scrunched up and thrown on the floor by who Uh, by who apparently by John Terry good Um, man yeah um, (laughs) he's he's West Ham you lemony mug (laughs) you sigh you mug nonce (laughs) <laughs> get Frank Harper throwing darts at him next yeah. Yeah. Um, so Des Byrne is apparently asked to leave so it all kicks off um, and the fight starts with the bouncer uh, and apparently at that point somehow as a you know John Terry is meant to have hit the bouncer over the head with a bottle but we'll have to pause it there because obviously that's the press report and the trial doesn't take place till the start of okay. next season so all right Listeners, sorry, you've got to listen in to the next show, 2002-03 season. Well, we'll let you know what happens if you didn't know what happened 20 years ago. Well, there you go. I like that. Well done, Mark. Uh, we then get into the a bit of cup action. we got Norwich away in the FA Cup third round. Tedious nil-nil draw. Although I have to say, uh, you know, Carlo was stunning, really. He kind of kept us in it. But that was the, the, the mere appetiser because we have the semi-final of the League Cup... Uh, which I went to against against Spurs. I remember sitting up in the West Upper again. Uh, it, I remember it being bloody freezing, actually, but a really good atmosphere, as you would expect. 
for a semi-final against Spurs. Uh, Jimmy put us up uh, after 10 minutes. Les Ferdinand got one back after 65. And Jimmy scored an absolute cracking uh, free kick on 76 minutes. And uh, we should really have had a penalty for Mikel Forsell, which for some mysterious reason known only to the wanker in the black, who, as memory serves, was... I'm just scrolling down to find out now. It was Alan Wiley, of course. Yes, there we go. Another one of those incompetent fools. Yeah, in the did. same way that it's not it's the, the blindsmen do nothing as well. Yeah. It's, it's just you've got just as good a view. It's in the penalty area, you know. Indeed, Mark. I forgot to put this down. There was another moment in this game because um, obviously I got my season ticket in the Matthew Harding lower, and um, people know me. I'm, I'm in the corner where it meets the West Stand, and when Les scores, he goes over with the Tottenham players to celebrate in front of the Matthew Harding fans in the corner. And at that time, which I always thought was a good idea by Chelsea, Chelsea had reverted to selling lager in bottles, plastic bottles at Stamford Bridge. <laughs> from a speed point of view, you can get more bottles out than pouring pints and pushing out glasses, etc. Uh, and I don't know whether this was a turning point where they reverted back to selling pints again. Because when once a Les comes over to celebrate his goal, uh, a number of people had brought back their bottles with them and the corner of the Matthew Harding flag, there was a few bottles that were hitting the Tottenham players. So for the Matthew Harding, people had sneaked them in at half-time. And I think soon after, Chelsea reverted back to plastic glasses again. Yeah, yeah. Just always stuck in my mind, that particular moment. Well, there you go. More cup action uh, follows swiftly on, because you have to replay Norwich at home. But in between, we went up to Bolton, uh, drew to all. Uh, Good Johnson scored again. Mikel Forsell scored again. Uh, Michael Ricketts, England England international Michael Ricketts, we should always say, scored for Bolton, as did uh, as did Jigsaw, uh, Kevin Nolan. Called Jigsaw because he always fell to pieces in the box, but not on this occasion. He scored the equaliser on 79 minutes, Mark. I think the other thing we should mention, we said we were going to talk about earlier, is like Mikel Forsell. Well, one, let's talk about him now. Yeah, because he only started four games this season. But he came on as sub 31 times. He, he was out doing his predecessor as super sub, Tori Andre Flo. Yeah. And the amount of games he came on, and he scored. He got nine, nine goals, most of which came from the subs bench. Terrific shot, yeah. didn't he? Terrific shot. Yeah. See the goal, bat. Yeah. So many people could learn from that, you know. The, the Finnish Michael Owen, they used to call him, didn't they? For some reason. Uh, but yeah, he was a really good player for us, and I think he really. I mean, as Mark said, I think that the comparison with Toro Andrew Flo is actually a really, a really apposite one. Uh, I now, think this was his best season, though, Chidge. Well, I never I, felt he replicated yeah, I, it. Yeah, I agree. He never really quite made it, but it's a shame because the potential was clearly there. We then have uh, the replay, the, the replay in the third round of the FA Cup against Norwich at home, uh, which you know, apart from the fact that Mackay scored for them on 35 minutes, having gone one nil down to a Mario Stanich goal. Uh, Lampard got uh, the second Chelsea goal on 56 minutes. Forsell, uh, you know, made sure of it on the 89th minute with another goal. But this match will forever be remembered for one thing. And that was former Chelsea goalkeeper Rob Green was playing. No, it wasn't that. It was remembered for something else, wasn't it, Mark? (laughs) What a goal. Uh, That's probably one of the best goals all of us and people listening in have seen at Stamford Bridge. I think... Even if you try to do it, you know, you probably would fail miserably. A remarkable bit of skill from a footballing genius. 
uh, you know, Lasso's corner comes in. And even now, even watching it 20 years on, you still think, how did he do that? Do you know what? I mean, watching it again today on the on the season review, what was there were two things that were really brilliant about it, other than its obvious brilliance. One was that I think it was Andy Gray, wasn't it, on on commentary or co-commentary. It took them watching it five times in the re- replay for them to understand how truly fucking genius, like a magnificent it was. That's and every right. time they watched it, they were like, "Fuck me, fuck me, fuck me." Yeah. You know, it was. Yes, like, yes. They obviously didn't say that, but yes. in terms of what they were saying, it was like that. And the other thing was. The Chelsea. I mean, I wasn't there. I stupid. I elected to go to the Spurs match, or I could get tickets for the Spurs. Are you match. supporting Chelsea at this time? I, listen, mate. This, I've got this season. I've done more games than I had for about ten years. So shut up. Anyway, I went to the I went to the Spurs semi, obviously, and then I decided to go to the West Ham home game. So I swerved the replay of this. Um, and it's, I massively, mass. I mean, fucking hell! In a season where I'm actually coming back and going to more games. To have missed this one was just massive schoolboy error. Anyway, the, the you're right. Initially, initially on the on the box, they thought it was just a, a volley in, yeah, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. And, they, and so they and I thought we keep showing this. Don't they? Every single time there was more. It's almost as if they were saying the director was saying, "Quick, sh- play it from another angle," because this is a great goal. Yeah. It just evolved. You realizing that he'd hit it in by stepping over the ball and flicking it with his back foot. Yeah. But the that, other thing, the that, other thing that was remarkable. Was it was the same with the Chelsea supporters? Now you two boys were there, but even even on the on the on the on the TV, it comes across. You know, they everybody celebrated the goal, and then they saw the replay, and then they just suddenly realised what they'd fucking seen. And and it, it, there wasn't a cheer; it was a <gasps> it was a gasp of astonishment. Do you remember that? You two were there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I say where I was with my season ticket. I'm in that corner of the Matthew Harding, so I'm at the other side. So all I can see is, like, you know, from the other side of it, it's almost like he's flicked it in, you know, like, you know, you know, fl- flicked it in, but with his front foot rather than his back foot. And it's only then when it, they shut up the screen, it's like that sharp and take a breath all round the ground. Thinking, Whoa, what's he done there? Yeah, I yeah, know. Quite remarkable, wasn't it? Uh, the other interesting thing about that was that Ranieri's changed system yet again. He's now playing 3-4-1-2, which he sticks to for the next game, which is West Ham at home. I, I go to this match. In fact... Uh, I can tell you now, I can also tell you it was bloody cold again. Uh, and I took my dad, If you, some of you will remember that my dad took me to Stamford Bridge in 1976. Would you believe to see this Southampton versus Crystal Palace uh, FA Cup semi-final? And uh, I kind of fell in love with Stamford Bridge and Chelsea as a result, blah, 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 blah. So now I was going more regularly and getting tickets and able to get tickets. I thought, well, I'd return the favour. So I took my dear old dad to Stamford Bridge to go and see West Ham, uh, to see Chelsea beat West Ham. They were brilliant. Uh, Jimmy scored two goals. Ida scored two goals. Mikel scored another one. Uh, Defoe, of course, scored his obligatory uh, goal on 88 minutes. Uh, da- Paolo Di Canio had the good sense to get sent off for being a twat. Um, it was just brilliant. It was a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Chelsea day. I'm sitting in the West Upper with my dad, and Chelsea are smashing West Ham all over the place, and I'm loving it. Jermaine Defoe scores a goal. Dad gets up and applauds. <laughs> and I, t- I said, Dad, Dad, no, 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 no. This is football, Dad. This is not cricket. We don't care that Jermaine Defoe has scored. He said, yeah, but, you know, they're getting absolutely cuffed. And I thought, at least they've got a goal. I said, no, Dad, no, this is football. It doesn't work like that. He seriously just didn't get it. I never took him to a football match again on the, on the strength of that. 
Well, quite, I know. I mean, we then actually, I remember we, we, we walked all the way back to Pimlico because it was just a nightmare getting out. But uh, bless him. I, I love my dad. And as many of you know, he passed away sadly in February. But that was the first. I thought, well, I, I, the least I can do is to, is to say thank you and take you to a football match because you took me to a football match the first time in my life. You took me to Stamford Bridge the first time and I'll pay back. And what does he do? He gets up and applauds West Ham when they score. I thought, Dad, you just can't do this, mate. I'm really sorry. So there you go. Um, we then have uh, one of the most dreadful nights in Chelsea's recent history, don't we, Mark? Never happens. Sorry. <laughs> denial. Denial. No, no, didn't happen. No chicken kissing. No players sent off. No defeat. No, didn't happen. I mean, I, I wasn't there, but I watched it on the box and I still can't can't believe to this day what I witnessed. It was one of those awful, awful, awful games where nothing went wrong. But can you try and make some sense out of it? Yeah, you'll have to watch the video. They brought a bloody video out afterwards, didn't they? They did, they did. They would do, wouldn't they? I mean, this is the first time that Spurs had beaten Chelsea at White Hart Lane for something like 27 years, JK? I was there. It was horrendous. It was... Uh, I had actually... Um, I hadn't forgotten it. I remembered the score. I'd forgotten all the goals. You just, I just, all I did is a note was just write down Iverson, Sherwood, Sheringham, uh, uh, Melchiot hit Sheringham. Uh, Melchiot seemed to be so weird with his just hitting people off the ball, off the ball all the time because he hit Sheringham and 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 Jimmy Floyd got sent off. Yeah, fifty-five minutes in. Yeah, but it was it was Melchiot who did the hitting. Um, uh, and then Rebroff and then Forsell, uh, Davies, Rebroff, and then Forsell got a ball, a goal back. But uh, it was just one of those things, wasn't it? You just sort of, I don't know what you do as a, a supporter when your team is being taken to the cleaners like that. You just kind of accept and think, oh, well, I remember thinking perhaps that's the end of that. Perhaps our our uh, um, our sign over them has gone and that uh, that's the, it'll now be more competitive. But luckily, later in the season, we... Uh, well, we'll get to that. We we'll get to, we'll get to, to that. We'll get to that normal yes. service being resumed. I mean, for me, watching it from afar, or in a pub in Putney, as I believe, um, I think a lot... I mean, do you know what? I don't know why I, I, I remember it like this, but I think Sheringham absolutely doing Zenden, I think it kind of really, it really shook... The, the team because their bottle went I think a little bit and I mean the 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 injury was describing mean, basically he just basically flew into him two-footed and he caught him on the inner thigh and it then the injury was described as like a bullet wound and it required surgery and he was in a really bad way I, I think it yeah, shook him up once again where was the referee Halsey. what's going on with these well, instances bloody useless again isn't he so yeah anyway absolutely stuffed no no league cup final and uh, it was maddening to say the least. We then had F, uh, another FA Cup match. It's the, definitely the month for cup matches. And guess what? We get West Ham, who we've just beaten five-one at home. Uh, you would have thought we would have walloped them. Uh, no, it was one-all draw. Jimmy scoring on twenty-one minutes. Canuto on eighty-three. Mark, you ask a question here. Does anyone know why West Ham had the Matthew Harding in for that game? I don't know. Jonathan, do you know? No idea. Was no it an idea. allocation it thing? Was it an experiment to see where they wanted to put opposition fans? Because they before everybody had been in the shed end, hadn't they? Not the shed end, sorry. No, they were in the east, east lower, weren't they? In the, that's what I just saying. Yeah, everybody was in the east lower. Was this the first time they tried them out since then? Because I think there were many complaints, weren't there? Well, I mean, they, they all remember there being there. There was a lot of ads. There was. Remember there were questionnaires. But there was a lot. Where would you? 
where would you like a, a way support yeah, to go? But there was a lot. That? There was a lot of ag. But them being in the Matthew Harding created a lot of ag. They were getting stuff thrown at them from the Matthew Harding. They were. It was kicking off. I certainly remember that. Yes. No. I just wondered if it was. But they were trying it out because they were trying to find out where the best place. Well, it was for bloody the stupid, was. wasn't it? Because one of the reasons why they yeah. put people in the East Lower was the access and egress was really easy to get easy to get out to the away front, supporters yeah. Yeah. in and out, and that's ultimately yeah. why they they chose to shed lower. But the Matthew Harding, I mean, it really, from what I recall, it, it might not have been this match. I could be wrong there. It might have been a League Cup match later on, but there was certainly an occasion where they put Math, uh, they put West Ham and the Matthew lower, and it all kicked off. Mark, got any memories of that? No, I haven't. No, I just, I just want to watch it back and thinking, why are they in the Matthew Harding? I don't even remember that ever, ever happening. Yeah, because traditionally, um, prior to the stand being complete, the, the Way fans would be in the lower tier of the West. They were in the East Upper, they were in the East Lower, and they're now in the Shed End. For the life of me, I don't remember them being in the Matthew Harding. Yeah. Mm, very odd. Uh, we then have uh, Leeds at home. Uh, to finish off January, we win 2-0. Uh, Good Johnson scores on two and Dalabona 31. Now, here's the weird thing. I thought I was there for this match, but I wasn't because the match I was thinking of is the one where Good Johnson does that amazing bicycle kick, but it was not this match, so it must have been next year, in which case I can't understand why I was sitting in the West Upper for that, but there you go. Maybe I was in the Matthew Matthew Upper in Gate 17. My memory fades with age, but uh, we finished the position in league position of fifth at the end of January. We're now into February. Uh, we start off with um, a 3-2 win uh, um, against Leicester. Uh, Jimmy scoring again another two goals. Zola's getting a few games now. He scores in 79 minutes. But that was the mere hors d'oeuvre for the Sorry, FA... Can I just talk about that a second? Yeah, no, you can, you can, but just wait till I finish my Thank sentence. Uh, we got West Ham away the... in the uh, FA Cup fourth round replay straight after that, JK. Thank you very much. Sorry to interrupt your... Um introduction to the next one um uh it was interesting that zola in the in the video afterwards said um the the coach was wrong he mentioned in did the he? interview i don't know if you noticed I missed that. yes he did yes he said the coach was wrong uh, he asked us to do a lot of waiting and you wonder whether this is a um what he means by that is that the team isn't being proactive the team is sitting back and waiting for um uh, to to allow the the opposition to to come onto them before breaking and um i just viewed that as a as an example of um uh, ranieri's incompetence with dealing with the excellence of this side if that was the case because it struck me that that rather than being timid and waiting to hit people on the um uh, on the counter attack this is the kind of side where we should actually have been going for it with such two brilliant players up front and a genius in midfield. You know, they've got three world-class players playing for them. And as you, we said earlier, they should be running away with the league here. And and um, and it, it, we, one of the things we haven't been discussing is the, the number of times that the team just did not play with a settled side. I know there were injuries, but they just seemed constantly strange people introduced for, for apparently no reason that you could make out it was almost as if he felt oh I ought to give somebody a game now because they haven't played for a bit rather than thinking well this team is playing very well let's get them playing getting used to each other um and I thought that um this this was an example because he was speaking after the Leicester game which is that they they sat back and 
City scored a couple of goals and then they had to go for it again, made an effort, and then they scored the uh, the third goal to make it 3-2. And I remember being there, being very frustrated, watching the uh, the team just misfire again. There was lots of misfiring and I just couldn't help but think if we were being more proactive rather than sitting back, and I, here he is echoing it, Zola echoes the very same thing I remember being interested in at the time. So. Yeah, no, it's a really good point, actually. Well, I kind of, I now remember what what you meant, and it is a good point. And uh, yeah, Ran- well, you know, Ranieri, Italian manager, counter-attack, Casinaccio, yada, 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 is kind of inevitable, really. But it just makes you wonder, because Zola, of course, played under him. Um, I think it was Napoli, maybe, or Palmer. Yeah. Oh, no, Palmer. It was Palmer, I think. So you would have thought, I mean, Zola's interesting, isn't he? He has these great relationships with managers, but he, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't hold back if he thinks they're not up to it. He, he has a track Very record fact, of this. he calls him the coach rather than the um, manager. Mr. Ranieri yeah, or something. Yeah, the yeah. Coach. He didn't take any shit, Franco. Anyway, uh, I think the West Ham FA Cup match was one of the most exciting matches of the season, actually, Mark. It was a real humdinger, wasn't it? Oh, it was a cracking game, but you know, b- beforehand, I don't know if you know, sort of like a guy called Mark Webster, affectionately known as Barnet. Um, yeah, I know Barnet. Yeah, you know Barnet. So Barnet arranged for us to go drinking um, in the belly of the beast. Um, he knew a pub in East Ham, one stop up from Upton Park, which is a West Ham pub. But we went for a beer there because you know normally you'd go to the Barking Dog and then get the train back. Um, so it's full of West Ham. They knew we were Chelsea, but Barnet seemed to know everybody in there. Um, probably from his time at the 12 bar club. So it was a short walk to Upton Park and just a absolutely cracking cup tie. Um, um, end to end, um, West Ham take the lead, we come back, West Ham take the lead again. Uh, but there's one of my favourite memories of this game, um, like a friend of mine was, was, was with. And John Terry and the Terry family, I think his brother was there as well, they were sitting just in front of us. Um, and if you watch the video, um, I think it's fair to say, Terry's at full probably for the second goal. And that normal reaction as a fan, you know, oh, what are you doing? Like that, that, you know, emotion where you sort of shout at a player when a goal goes in. Well, we might does that when Defoe sort of like puts West Ham in front, but doesn't realise that John Terry's mum is just in front of us. Whoa, you know, she turns around and don't you ever go at my boy? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so he forgets all about it. Um, we, we make it 2 2. Um, oh yeah, full sell, full sell scores. And then literally, it is heading for extra time. Yeah, end to end, great game. And literally, the last kick, sorry, head of the match, Terry scores the winning goal. And the away end goes bonkers. I great mean, the mate is going absolutely crazy because Terry scores and runs back the length of the pitch towards the Chelsea fan. I mean, mate's going mad. Mrs. Terry hasn't forgotten, you know. Don't you be cheering my boy now. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> We're cheering him earlier. Don't you stop that cheering now. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. He was brilliant. scary. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. The great header, great header, wasn't yeah. it? Really flung himself at it. He really he really stepped up to the mark this season, JT. I mean, he became a real fixture, I think. And I mean, if you think... I mean, he'd been around for a few years by now, but I, I, it, his, I mean, it, I think it's something we, we didn't pick up on perhaps earlier, but... The um at the end of the season, of course, you've got the the, the World Cup in Japan, and uh, JT should really have gone, but it was the misdemeanors off the pitch that kind of 
you know, prevented him from going. But he certainly earned his place this year because he was, you know, he, he basically, I think, got better and better and better as the season went on. And by the end of the season, as we will find out in the day new aim on of it, he was, you know, first on the team sheet, he was a real fixture in the side and was becoming the JT that we all know and love. Um, anyway, so we're through uh, now to the uh, quarterfinal of the FA Cup. But you'll have to wait for that because first of all, we've got Villa away, one all, bit of a disappointing uh, day for us, really. Not least because JT went off with a broken bone in his foot, which would take seven weeks to to heal. Um, we've then got Preston. I've I've got the I've 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 been a bit remiss with my uh, with my information here because we've got Preston North End, so it's not the quarterfinal next; it's the fifth round, isn't it? Preston North End in the fifth round, three one, pretty pretty routine, really. Um, then we look. What what is it about Charlton? We, they did the double over us this season. We lost two one away up uh, up there. Uh, Jason Yule scored two. Uh, Lamps got one in the middle. I mean, yeah, they did the double on us. Is, was this Scotty Parker doing his audition for us or something, Mark? Uh, he was in the side then. I think Scotty Parker's audition is a year later. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, when they get another result against well, they us, they watched us four two, didn't they? Yeah, where Parker was like man of the match. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's just weird, like yeah. And we'll talk about it at the end of the season. It's games like this, home and away, losing to Charlton, mm. cost us a, a higher price up in the league. Well, Carlo, Carlo Cudicini, as he was interviewed about this, wasn't he? And he reckons that this was the, in terms of us not not making top four, this was the turning point, which I thought was quite an interesting uh, point to make. Um, we did make amends somewhat with a three-two win at home against Fulham, uh, with uh, Melchior. Good uh, Johnson and Forsell scoring for us, Sahar scoring for them, and then we've got um, a chance for some payback against Spurs because we got them in the FA Cup quarter final, having been unceremoniously dumped out of the League Cup semi final with a 5 1 defeat. We're back at three point lane, uh, and Mark was saying earlier on he was a bit worried that okay, maybe our, our wonderful run has come to an end. But, oh no, Mark, we made amends, did we not? We did indeed. Uh, on the back of the 5-1, Tottenham were favourites. Uh, and FA Cup game, bigger allocation than we had in sort of like the World Cup semi-final. Uh, and these strange things you remember, um, uh, always that rivalry on and off the pitch and coming out of um, Seven Sisters, jumping on the train just up to White Hart Lane for a couple of stops. And the amount of Chelsea on that train. And I was in the same carriage as a certain Mr. Harkins. Um, and just walking out the station and, you know, Danny and a, a, a few of his fellow Chelsea fans literally walked down the middle of the Seven Sisters Road as if to, they absolutely owned the place. And you've got all the top and coming out the pubs and throwing stuff, etc. But they just like walked down huge mob of Chelsea and the, the noise and the atmosphere. And that just carried into the ground, the momentum. Support was incredible that Sunday afternoon. And from start to finish, absolutely start to finish, first-class performance. We get an early goal with William Gallas. But again, Idega Johnson, you know, breakaway goals. Lasso scores, I think, his first goal in a long time. It was just a tremendous Chelsea performance. And even we could afford Lasso getting sent off. Mm. Um, Ferdinand kicked Gallas early on and, uh, and should have been off. Yeah, dirty game. They had five players. Absolutely ridiculous. Beyond, I mean, was this an era where 
players just thought they could kick people and nothing would happen. It would be considered, no. oh, look, he's lost his temper. I don't think so. Because it, I think, it, as, as we know, having watched the season, it only happened with, when we played Leeds or Spurs. Quite remarkable. Once again, what are the assistant referees doing? What's the referee doing? But this, this was bonkers, though. I mean, this was bonkers, this game, because, you know... Sox, it was bonkers. Soxy, Soxy... Sherwood did the same. Yeah. Sherwood lashed out at Lampard. He should have been off. Yeah. Nothing happened. No, but Soxy, and, um, Soxy was right, rightly sent off for taking Tirico out. And then and Lamp- Lampard, two minutes later, does the same thing and he only gets a yellow. I mean, he was and lucky. He gets a yellow. And Richards, Richards pulled back the Johnson uh, on the edge of the penalty area. Yeah. And it was... Not only was it serious foul play... There was nobody else backing up. He should have been sent off as well. Absolutely remarkably awful. And what I found appalling was, of course, this is one of the reasons that we all hated Poyet afterwards for the we did at the time for Spurs nonstop. Was him constantly rushing in and pushing all the Chelsea players off viciously, violently. Notice that. And you just thought, hang on, you were you were one of our best players. You were all mates with these guys. Is this? Are you just wound up? Is this allowed? Uh, uh, it was. It was. I find it disturbing. Actually, he was first in every time, yeah. and he pushed Frank in the face on one of the occasions. Referee missed it completely, of course. Once again, every single time, you just think, Gus, what has happened to you? What happened in this period? But did he resent being being sold off? Yeah, because he, he, he he did. Yeah, well, that that was it then. Because he was a terrific player, boy, my goodness me. But he didn't seem to play as well for Spurs. I'm just so much well, lucky enough. Who would? Enough. Yeah. He has, but, said, um, he has said he fell out with Ranieri and never forgave Ranieri for selling him. Yeah. Never forgave yes. him about the Tottenham and kissing well, the chicken. In, indeed. I mean, well, I should qualify this really with one very important fact that there should be a rule in the game that says that any. Two, you know, two-footed studs-up tackles on Tariko should be absolutely allowed and are perfectly legal. Because he was a nasty little Gareth. He was. He really was. With a every, to be fair, he was consistent. It wasn't just Chelsea. He was terrible with every team. Well, that's played very against, true. But he was a horrible little shit. Um, and I mean, I think it says it all. I mean, so we know that Graham Lasso would two-foot a table leg, but you know, Frank Frank was not a dirty player, and he clearly wound Frank up. Frank went to do him and, and, and missed actually luckily which is why he probably got the yellow uh, anyway uh, having uh, dumped them brilliantly I mean normal service is resumed is, is what we all said at the time uh, 4-0 in the FA Cup quarter final lovely sweet as and then guess what um, I'm just trying to remember how many days later maybe three days later uh, I've got a whiz down here yeah, Sunday to Wednesday it was yeah. Sunday to Wednesday was it yeah yeah we played them on the Sunday guess what Wednesday we got them in the league Happy days. Guess what? Same result. Guess what? Even better was Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank with one of the best hat-tricks I have ever seen uh, at Chelsea, Mark. Yeah, brilliant. And I think I think I did this in my Chelsea when we I think you did. I think you did. About that that and another 50 games, obviously. 150 games. (laughs) (laughs) But it was the perfect hat-trick. The right foot, the left foot and the header. Absolutely super. And again, people have been watching the, going back watching the videos because we've plugged it so much tonight. Um, if you remember the goal Zola scores against Vicenza in 1998 from the Ali cross, that cross from Gronkiar, um, I think for Jimmy's headed goal, was almost like a carbon copy yeah. goal in front of the Matthew Harding. An absolutely tremendous goal. And the other 
plus factor was um, Trico got red carded. He did. This time for a disgraceful tackle on the so he got his revenge back. Yeah. Yeah, I mean Jimmy, Jimmy, uh, you know, kicked things off with a, a beautiful, beautiful uh, right-footed uh, kind of curler uh, into the into the top corner, uh, and then he got a, a header, as as uh, Mark was saying, from uh, a Gronkyard cross, and then he kind of somewhat fortuitously got tackled by two Spurs players on the edge of the area at the Matthew end and the ball kind of like bounced out for him and he basically took a couple of touches and then bent it into the to the left-hand side of the goal or the goalkeeper's right absolutely stunning hat-trick um and uh and as you said Mark Tariko got a red card for exacting revenge on Lasso. uh the next game is uh Sunderland at home and guess what we win 4-0 again uh Gallus on 24 Ida on 73 Forsell on 84 Dalabon on 90 now, the interesting thing about this... Now, so I can't quite remember. I'm, I'm sure somebody who's listening might know this. Uh, but I remember... I went. I either went to this game or the one after. I can't remember. But I bought a T-shirt, not from the stall, I hasten to add. One of the other hooky stalls around there. But it was, it was, it was either... It was, it was just... The, it was a really busy T-shirt. It had so much on it. But it had gravestones with R.I.P. Spurs. The Chelsea, the 4x4... Four on it so it must have been the Sunderland game but I have, for, for some reason I think it was 4x4x4 four by four by four, but it listed you know the games we have beaten Spurs twice 4-0 maybe Sunderland 4-0 the scorers so I can't remember if it was just 4x4 four four or 4x4x4 four by four by four. I remember it I you remember do it. remember it yeah. can you can you describe it better than I've just done it no it was it was headstones and um, and the, I thought the fours were written on the headstones yeah. weren't they yeah with the scorers was yeah. it was it just no, the two Spurs? The was being, it just the two Spurs matches, or was it was it the Sunderland one as well? I thought it was just the Spurs ones. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it was just the Spurs ones. But I bought this T-shirt. I used to wear it to death, and I don't know where where it went. I think it may have just disintegrated from washing it too much. But I can't for the life. You're of probably me find wearing it. it now, Chich. No, I'm not. I'm wearing, worn my, to, I'm wearing You've worn it so often; it's become part of your skin. But I but I remember that I would wear it a lot around that time, and people. Obviously, it was one of those where somebody probably just knocked up about fifty of them, and they all went really, really quickly because people would come up to me at games I'd go off, go to after that, wearing it. Oh, mate, that's a fucking great t-shirt. Where'd you get that from? You know, he loved it because, of course, it was like kicking the shit out of Spurs, basically. But it was, was, it Bob, a, was it Bob the t-shirt. It might have been Bob. It might yeah. have been Bob. Yeah, it might have been Bob. But I, I love that, and all the because I mean the other thing I should should qualify because people have probably heard me talking about this, and this will come into play in a few matches time, but. You know, having gone back to the bridge this season predominantly with Dr. Mark, this is the season I got to know Psycho Phil and the Norman boys, Chris and Stu. Chris and Stu would have been, you know, I think Chris would have been about 15, 16 maybe. Stu not a lot older. So I started to get to, get to know Phil and all of that lot, including Smithy, of course, Mark, who was... Great mates with Phil. But anyway, more of that in a minute. Uh, to round off uh, March, uh, we beat Liverpool. Sorry, we lose 1 0 away to Liverpool. We beat Derby 2 1, and we finish uh, in the month in fifth position in the league. So we're getting, you know, we've had two, three months in the row now where we've stayed in fifth. So the league form's holding up. So we've still got a chance of getting into the top four. We then go into April, uh, a, a pretty dull 0 0 draw against Ipswich away. Another fine Kudachini penalty save. Uh, we wallop Everton 3-0 at home. Uh, Jimmy with another two goals. Zola with one on the 90th minute. A very boring 0-0 draw away at Blackburn. And then 
we have the FA Cup semi-final uh, against, would you believe, Fulham, who are managed by Jean Tigana. Now, uh, it's our 10th semi-final in nine years. Now, if you think about it, we quite often recently, you know, come out with stats like this about how phenomenally brilliant we've been at getting into semi-finals in this golden era of Chelsea's history from 20, uh, 2003 to present day. This is 2002, and this is our 10th semi-final in nine years before Chelsea had even been invented, Mark. Remarkable, yeah. Isn't it? Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? We had such a good track record. Um, and um, another example, yeah, we didn't just get to semi-finals, we were getting to finals. Well, we'll get there in a minute, but yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, why, why was this game played on a Sunday night at 7 o'clock at Villa Park? Well, I don't know. I, I can't remember. Can you remember, Jay? It was the London Marathon. The, the London Marathon, yeah. Oh, right, 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 right. Wasn't that the idea? That's what they said. But it was absolutely typical bungling fa and and it? why why villa park yeah you know absolutely stupid to london to, i remember there being a right old hoo-ha about it um as it happened it didn't do anything to to uh to ruin my day whatsoever but i shall save my story for last jk you were there obviously what do you remember of the day I was. um a scrappy game um jt getting a scrappy goal as, as befitted the scrappy game um uh, and they weren't, you know, a, a bad side, Fulham. You know, Sahar was a good player. Um, they had, uh, who was it? Uh, um, was it he Healy was another decent player forward. Um, uh, defended well. They, you know, they deserved to get to the fight, to the uh, semi-final. They had Ed, Ed, um, Edwin Starr in goal. They, they, yeah, they had, yes. D- d- yes, Sahar. Uh, yeah, very good. Not Sahar. Um, Van der Sahar. They had Joan Joan Collins in midfield. Yeah, Joan, she was great, wasn't she? She'd just been in um, the stud, if I remember right. They had Patrick Steed in midfield as well, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, and he was in the Avengers. He was doing really well at the time, yeah. Um, Difficult to play against these actors because they just have (laughs) poses that, uh, and you get distracted and try and get their autograph. It's it's a clever idea. Do you know what? Um, At Manchester Piccadilly Station, and they can send you a signed photo. Do you know what I really love love most though? I I, I've got to love any any footballer who's got a name like this, Barry Hales. That's a proper footballer's name. That's a 1970s footballer's name, if ever there was one. And he played for Charlton before Barry Hales. Probably. I think he's so. The, you're probably one of the kind of players. He's got a name they weren't bad for them, and it no, was they weren't. They it weren't. was scrappy and it was tense because you know you wanted. We got the we got the one goal. It would have been nice just to have uh, walloped them, but you know we still ended up in a final, which is great. So, okay. So, Mark, what about your day up there? Oh, it was just a ball like getting up there. Like got a lift up for one of my mates, and it's it's just you know so so frustrating because you, you you go because you're in the semi final, but then. You, you you have that thing as well where you have to get out of Dodge really quickly to avoid the traffic, get back to London, etc. Um, but you then go up there and it wasn't even a full ground. Yeah, you know, it's like an FA Cup semi final, and it was like a thirty six thousand crowd, and so there's about three or four thousand empty seats. So job done. Uh, we were the better side. Once we got ahead, never in danger of losing. Did Terry get injured? No. I thought of some no, no, no. Out. Well, he did, yeah, because he had a he had a bandage around his head, a la Terry Butcher, didn't he? Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought he, I thought he got injured. Yeah, yeah. Not, but, yeah, not, not taken off injured. He came back on and was a bit caged tigers about it, wasn't he? I think. Yeah, yeah. Job done. Off to Cardiff. Yeah. Well, indeed. I mean, I was 
more excited than an excited thing because uh, this was the first semi-final I'd actually m- ever managed to make for Chelsea because uh, for various reasons, as you all know, because you've listened to these shows, I've managed to miss them. And I could probably sum the uh, excitement of the day up in three, well, sorry, four very simple words. Celery, aftershocks and celery. Uh, sounds like a CFC UK article waiting to happen, this, doesn't it, Mark? But um, I, I, I went I went up with, with Dr. Mart. Obviously, we'd got tickets together. And the love, lovely Claire, who was another part of the, 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 the you know, Psycho Phil's mob. And Claire had, had very kindly offered to, to drive us up to Villa Park. Um, unfortunately, what I didn't realise at the time was that car had a, a car. Claire had a sports car, which only had two seats. And Martin's over six foot. And I am not. So guess who had to sit in this weird space behind the two uh, main seats? Well, that would have been me. And and then Martin, obviously, you know, quite rightly made Claire stop. Or we stopped off, I think, in uh, Fulham Palace Road, as it as it happens. And uh, we literally had about three three supermarket carrier bags full of celery. We basically bought this shop out of celery. And we we make our way up to to Birmingham. We stopped somewhere. It might have been Warwickshire, but I can't remember. But it's apparently Mark might know this. Smith, it's a Smithy pub en route to any match north or the Midlands where they'd stop off. I, I know. I know. We used to go there with Matthew Harding years earlier. Any any time we were playing in the Midlands, place like Villa Park. Yeah, and, there you yeah. go. Well, Smithy was there. Jerry and a whole load of that mob and Keith, uh, who people that characters that you won't have heard on the fancast for a long time. We stopped off there, tanked up on a few beers, had a bit of lunch got into Birmingham and then we ended up parking somewhere in Perry Bar. Claire, you know, had decided that she'd, you know, been up to Villa Park a lot, many a time. This is where we should park. So we parked somewhere in Perry Bar and we ended up going to this pub, which can only be described as a student bar, somewhere in Perry Bar and a load of Chelsea in there, having a great time, tanking up on the Guinness. Claire by now is taking one look at me and seeing how pissed I'm getting and saying, you know, make sure you can find your way back to the car. Do you remember where we... Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. No worries, Claire. I'm, you know, get on with it. Anyway, so we're drinking lots of Guinness. And then we, Martin and I spied behind the bar something called Aftershocks. And we said in our, on our naivety, what are they? And we said, well, let's find out. So we talked to the bar and we said, well, you've got, you, you know, you've got either blue or red, right? So we had a blue one with our pint of Guinness and knocked it back and on. And it tasted like mouthwash. And I just said, well, we should have a red one too. So we then had another round and we had a red uh, aftershock with our pint of Guinness and it still tasted like mouthwash. By now we were getting quite revved up. I said, Martin, what we really need to do is have a purple one. So we got a bigger glass and had two shots with a red and a blue one and, and drank that with another pint of Guinness. So we're absolutely hammered well before kickoff. We eventually get to the ground. I'm sitting somewhere completely different from now. I'm sitting in the kind of the middle tier. I don't know what the stand's called. Uh, if you've got the Holt end to your left, Mark, Trinity stand, isn't it? Trinity Road stand. Doug Ellis is the one over from that. So yeah. Tri- yeah. Yes. Uh, so I'm literally in the middle tier of that, quite near the front. It's kind of three weird tiers with this weird old Victorian type stand. So I'm pretty much at the front there on my own. Don't know where Martin and Claire are. Of course, I've got loads. I managed to smuggle loads of celery in and, uh, you know, the match is progressing and loads of celery is getting chucked around. And, uh, there's an apocryphally a story is that a Chelsea supporter got arrested for throwing celery because it hit John Tigana. 
Um, I am pretty fucking sure I threw celery towards him and it hit him. So it could have been me. So to the guy who got arrested, I'm really sorry. You probably took the rap for me, but there you go. Anyway, cutting a long story short, after the game, you know, pretty happy. We've won 1-0. Uh, what, what, JK? I remember him being hit, on the, being hit on the head by the lump of celery. Yeah, I think it might have been me. Yeah, I'm just trying to work out where it came from. I remember laughing. Yeah, well, it was possibly me. But there was a lot of celery being thrown at the same time. I'm not admitting yeah, but, to uh, it. But the actual bit that hit him on the head, I remember that well. Yeah, yeah. So if, it, if it was you, we were somehow in contact. In we were. Kind of weird other time space time before continuum. i even knew you yeah how lovely yeah. i like that yeah anyway after the game pretty happy obviously still quite drunk uh, and i because i've got an internal sat nav made it straight back to the car park uh with claire and martin previously being worried that i would make it back to the car and i sat there and i waited for 45 minutes because these two got lost and couldn't find the car and then we sat back on the way on the way back and i'm still in the back seat remember because it's only got two seats and of course there was an accident on the m40 it took us about 3 or 4 hours to get back to london it was a nightmare but it was worth every minute of it i thoroughly enjoyed it my my first semi final so i was it, pumped it, it, it took an eternity to get back i remember it did, because didn't it? of course well it would it would do because well, not at that time everybody, of night. but also everybody lives in south london yeah or around London. But there was an accident. Were... There was an accident on the M40, mate. That's what held everything up. Yeah, but as well as that, it was as bad as getting back from United because all the United fans are all, all yeah. live in the South. So yeah. it was as bad as that. Yeah. But it was, I remember being thinking this is some of the worst, just get, particularly since Fulham hadn't brought all their allocation. So it was just weird. Mark. I thought I remembered this one as well. Uh, whether we've talked about a previous show, I've chatted about it with Marco. Um, and maybe Marco told me. Because on a previous show, we talked about Charlie Driver uh, when we were doing the 1997-8 Cup Winners' Cup run. And I talked about Charlie dancing on the terraces in Bratislava yes. and dancing on the square in Seville. And I'm sure Marco must have messaged me or said it you know, at some point. Charlie Driver was the person who got banned for throwing celery. Charlie, I'm sorry. I'm not confessing. I'm not confessing. But if, if, if by any chance it was my lump of celery that hit that idiot Tigano and you took the rap for it, I'm really sorry, mate. Thinking about it, Chidge, it, the person who threw it was nothing like you. I remember now. <laughs> That's very it, it looked kind like, of you. Um, yeah, yeah. It I've looked brought, like somebody called up the court case. Charlie. Yeah. yeah. Three of them. Each fine three hundred pound. Um, they had a, they had an order placed against them, a good behaviour order by Birmingham magistrates. After they were thrown out for throwing, they said throwing the vegetable in the gym <laughs> of Zigana. This, this is the Guardian. They can't even say celery. Like, uh, you know, although they do open it up. But Nick Hornby and the rest of the Islington Socorati were not the first football fans to toss salad. Chelsea fans have been flinging celery around since the mid-1980s. Yeah, Charlie Driver, David Blake, Robbie Saunders were given good behaviour orders and they were fined £300 as they broke the order and are caught throwing celery in the next 12 months. Chidge, JK, in all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? 
Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all... No more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. (laughs) Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chels. Footballfancast.com. Yeah, well, a lot of salary was being thrown. I have to say, and I was in the thick of it. But I mean, I can't, I cannot uh, tell you 100% authority that I. Did connect with John Ticana's head. Isn't that ridiculous? As if that's seen as a, as as some kind of yeah. danger to the to the public, having a piece of celery thrown in the air. I know it's ridiculous, isn't it? Anyway, there are other things going on. You know, other people hitting each other and running on the. I know. Pitch, whatever. I know. I've always laughed every time celery's thrown. I laugh. Well, I, I mean, think... we were doing it all the time. I mean, there was a whole period around this time when I kind of went back and then actually found mates to go with, like Phil and the Normans and Doctor Mart. For example, every time we were in an FA Cup semi-final or final, so all the way through the 2000s easily, we'd end up in the Blackbird pub uh, after the match and we would just have a massive celery fight. That's where Chris got his name, the celery terrorist, from because there's this picture I took. He's got a scarf around his face looking like a bloody Taliban and he's he's not throwing one stick. He's got a whole bunch and he's like primed, cocked and ready to lob this in the pub. You know, hence hence the celery terrorists. So it was going on all the time then, that's for sure. Can't beat a bit of celery chucking. That's my. This is why I'm growing 56 uh, celery plants to supply the celery. into the spirit. I never quite entered into the spirit. I used to get one stick of celery, and I'd divide it up into little lumps. That is just not the way to do it. Lob it. I felt I was still, you know, doing a bit. You know, yeah, just yeah. lobbing a bit here yeah, and there. Well, anyway. All right, back to the league. Uh, horrible 3 0 uh, defeat at home to United, possibly a bit of a hangover from the uh, the Fulham uh, Cup win. Uh, and then we, uh, we beat uh, Middlesbrough in the penultimate league match of the season away, 2 0. Notable, really, for two things. One, uh, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbanks uh, out with an aggravated calf problem, which is a bit of a worry considering we've got the Cup final coming up next match. 
And uh, Colton Cole uh, scores his first goal for Chelsea on 38 minutes. Uh, and we end up in fifth position in uh, in the end of April. And of course, we that well, weirdly actually, because it, literally three weeks after the FA Cup semi-final and very early in May, I think it was May the 4th, wasn't it, the final? There you go, Saturday, May the 4th. Uh, so the season finishes on the 11th of May. We've got one more league game. So the Cup's played um, before the end of the season, which as we all know is completely wrong. Um, and uh, before the last game of the season. So... Our fifth final in seven years, but played, of course, in the Millennium Stadium in Cardiff. Um, now, I've been talking for far too long, so I shall ask uh, Jonathan about his cup final day first, and then Mark, and then I shall bore you with my version. Jonathan. Um, went with uh, mates I sat with. Um, uh, was pessimistic from the very beginning because we were playing them. Arsenal, both um, side. Absolutely. Um, we knew that Jimmy Floyd was injured and we're surprised to see him play, actually. And uh, p- particularly since he was such a wonderful player. Um, Ranieri decided not to play Zola, which was, you know, absolutely sodding typical. Um, well, ab- so- absolutely fucking nuts, really, because he played Jimmy, yeah. who was only just about fit. Babiaro yeah. only just about made it. Uh, Graham Lasso yeah. wasn't fully fit and went off injured after a couple of minutes, didn't he? I mean, the first kick yes, he had to he go did. off. And then JT play, JT pulled out in the morning. I mean, I remember when we got into the ground and we heard the news about, it was like, oh, Jimmy's starting. Wow, brilliant. And then JT can't play. Oh, no. I mean, it was just yeah. depression yeah. before a ball was kicked, wasn't it? But we knew that we knew that the chances were that, uh, that Jimmy was, um, was crocked and was playing regardless. But with the knowledge that he wasn't playing Zola, he could have, he should have, he, what he could have done was to have played Zola from the beginning and then brought Jimmy on as a, as a kind of, uh, um, you know, later substitute to, uh, to see if he could score one of his great, one of his great long shots, you know? So um, uh, I thought that was just strange management. And, um, uh, but we did pretty well for a period. We played pretty well. Lamps had a very good game. Um, Lamps was coming more into it as the season ended. He became got stronger and stronger. Uh, just a quick and, interjection uh, there, J.K., because I think the most notable thing about the match for me was that uh, Lampard marked Vieira out of the game, and at that time, Vieira was the preeminent midfielder in the in, in the Premier League. Yes. It marked him out of the game. We did. They didn't get a sniff out of Vieira, and that was Lamps doing. And then Parler scored a goal, completely unlikely goal. And um, as did Lundberg, and that was it was all up for us. I just felt that the uh, the uh, the gods weren't uh, weren't uh, lined up for us. Yeah. The uh, the dice weren't loaded enough. It was um, we had too many things just not working out, and strange selection as always when in doubt. You know, so I I I I, I went into lots of these games um, pessimistic just because of the manager. I'm afraid. Mm. There's Mark, always the hope, you know. Yeah, it's, well, it's the hope that kills you, mate. Mark, what, what was your day like? We had a top day, sport by the sport by the football. Um, by by now, our group we go to football with we had been a bit nomadic, but we'd sort of settled in the Seven Stars in North End Road as as our pub, which sadly is a pub no more. Uh, Mini bus of us um, went. Uh, we left Harrow early in the morning, way before seven o'clock. Uh, we were parking up, even allowing for a stop in a car park right beside Millennium Stadium before opening time. A quick swifty in the pub nearest to the Millennium Stadium, as I remember. And then we went down to Cardiff Bay 
And I've been back many times since, and it's a beautiful part of the world. I love Cardiff Bay. Uh, and we found a little pub not far off Cardiff Bay in one of the back streets, run by an exiled Arsenal fan. So the pub was decorated with Arsenal memorabilia. Um, clearly, he would be optimistically hoping on that day uh, a coach loads, maybe a couple of coach loads of his own team's fans would be drinking in his boozer. But it was packed with Chelsea fans. <laughs> um, so yeah, but we, we had a nice time. Uh, walked up to Millennium Stadium in good time. Pick up those points with JK said. Um, yeah, worried about will Hasselbank play. Disappointed that Terry wasn't playing. Hasselbank, sorry, shouldn't have played. He wasn't fit. JK wasn't fit right. enough. No. We should have started with Zola. Great stadium, absolutely Millennium Stadium. For that period of relocation, we played there a few times in League Cups and Charity Shields and FA Cup. What a great stadium the Millennium Stadium is. Um, all stadiums should be like that. You literally walk out of pubs and you walk straight in the ground. Where like other big stadiums of, of the middle of nowhere, it's in the town centre. You know, fair play to the good people of Cardiff. The only downside afterwards, especially when you're lost and you want to get out of town quickly, it's just like a ball ache. And we were delayed getting out. We get caught on the M4, so we just said sod it, and we came off at Sirencester and found a lovely local hostelry where we had refreshments, both of the eating and the liquid kind. Till the traffic eased, and I think we probably landed back in sort of like northwest London, like what you know, way way past midnight. Now you can do your story now, or I could continue into the next days entirely up to you. No, I'll, I'll, I'll butt in, and then you round it all up. All right, I mean, because you've got to remember, this is my first FA FA Cup final that I've managed to either be in the country for and be able to get a ticket for, but only bloody just because I think I missed out. Uh, you won't be surprised to hear on loyalty points because I hadn't been to that many games of the season. But I ended up getting a ticket for me and Mart, maybe, uh, from uh, some bloke whose name I can't remember now. But he, he, he was the chairman of the Toe Law Football Club up near Newcastle. Because, as you know, the all, every single football association club gets an allocation of tickets. And he was a lovely bloke. And he said, well, look, I can't, I can't sell it to you because I'm not allowed to. So you, I said, we have a fate in, in May and you can you can basically sponsor a, a couple of barrels of beer and pay me this much for the barrels of beer sponsorship and I'll send you the tickets. And I said, done. So technically, me and Mark sponsored a couple of barrels of beer at the Toe Law Football Club, uh, you know, fate, which was just brilliant. You do know who used to play for Toe Law? Go on. Chris Waddle. No way. Seriously? Started his career there. Bloody hell, I didn't know that. Well, there you go. County Durham was toe law. Well, well, well. Anyway, so we got our tickets. Uh, now, I can't remember if this is the, 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 the one where Phil and Martin had been to see the Harlequins the night before down at the Stoop, had had a, a really hot curry and a lot to drink, and Phil was in serious trouble uh, the next morning. And, I mean, like, both ends basically and I thought it would be funny to give him he was really struggling and we I think we went via Sirencester funnily enough Martin decided to go the long way around because we parked up at Clandaff and we got the Norman boys with us as well and uh, I thought it'd be fun to give Phil some Gaviscon which is basically the tablets and you chew on them and it's like your mouth explodes with foam he had to get out of the car halfway through and, and be very ill 
Anyway, we got we got remote. I mean, we'd left at stupid o'clock. We got we got into Cardiff or Clandaff really early, and we we went to find a pub. We went towards towards uh, Cardiff Bay. Is it, is it Tiger Bay? Can't remember. Oh, it's, it's, it's Tiger Bay, but it's now called Cardiff Bay. Yeah, and there were, Shirley Bassey was born there. Yeah. yeah, well, there were no pubs open because it was pretty early. It was about we got there for about ten ten thirty. So we we basically found a pub and knocked on the door and made them open for us. <laughs> to much their astonishment. Lots of very thirsty Chelsea. Anyway, got in. Uh, Martin and I had tickets in the in in what in in effectively the neutral area because they were they were FA tickets, but we we ended up really being surrounded by gooners who had obviously done the same kind of thing as us, which I found very amusing because they basically spent sixty nine minutes moaning and moaning and moaning and moaning, and actually Chelsea I thought played pretty well considering the. You know the, the the troubles that we'd had with people out and half fit, but all you could hear around us were Arsenal fans moaning, 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 getting on the backs of their players, and Martin and I were just absolutely creasing up, laughing at these idiots until the seventieth minute, when fucking Ray Parler scores that goal, and then that was it. You just wouldn't, you didn't hear the last of them. They just, they were just going mental. So very disappointing. But we had a great day, and like you, Mark, we got stuck in horrendous traffic on the way back. Apart from the fact that. By the time we got clear of uh, the Seven Bridge, Stu had just could not hold it in anymore. And we were saying to him, go and piss in this jerry can. We're not stopping because the traffic's horrendous and we, we've been sitting in a queue. Uh, and in the end, we, we, we gave up and we basically stopped. You know where the M4, the, the motorways merge as you come out of the Seven Bridge? Yeah. You know the big pile of chevrons that are there? That separate. Mm. We basically parked in the chevrons and made Stuart get out and have a piss. <laughs> Poor bloke, he's never forgiven us for that. But yeah, I mean, a great day ruined by uh, really twenty minutes of football, really, because I thought actually we were pretty good for seventy minutes and held our own. But like J.K. was saying, there was a feeling at the time that we would never ever beat Arsenal at Tiddlywinks, let alone football. They just had the sign on us. What happened the next day, Mark? Well, it sort of started sort of like on the way back, uh, and I've mentioned on previous shows. There's a, there's a guy I know for Gat Chelsea is called Martin Boyle. Uh, no, Martin. Well, um, he was working at the time for the local council. So whenever we had a cup final, there was a civic reception at Fulham Town Hall, and he always sorted me out with some complimentary tickets. So I already knew there was going to be a civic reception, uh, win win or lose, and I actually got three free tickets to go to the civic reception. So on the way back, uh, I've got two spares. So I'm saying all the mates in the minibus, you know, does anyone want to come down? Free day out. And clearly having lost again to Arsenal, was sick of the sight of them. I think that was the third time in four years, you know, they'd stopped our, our, our cup dreams. No one was interested. So I get back home, early, probably about one o'clock. So the next morning I've got two spare tickets. I convinced myself to go to the civic reception because uh, that's the right thing to do. You know, cheer them when they win, but also, you know, support them when they lose. Um, and my wife said to me, well, why don't you take the girls? So I had two young daughters then. One was five and the other was three. I thought, okay, f- fair enough. They, they seemed happy to go. So get into Fulham Town Hall. Uh, and like in previous years, they had all this sort of like tables or laid out sort of banqueting style. So grab a table you know, near the bar for me and near the sort of like the sweet counter and the sweets and all the goodies for the girls. Um, so no sooner had we sat down um, and the table beside us, along comes 
you know, JK's friend from the Coventry trip. Um, <laughs> Ken and Susanna arrive, um, and they've with Lord and Lady Attenborough, and they sit down beside us. Now, bearing in mind on previous shows, I've talked about my relationship with um, Captain Birdseye. So obviously sees me, comes over and says hello. Now, the last time Ken saw me was actually in Verona in 1998 before we played Vicenza in the Cup Winners' Cup semi-final. And he was asking me why I stopped doing the fanzine. And I said, well, take the fire as a go. Want to go down to the pub with your mate. But also, at that time, you know, I had a very young young child, you know, and said, want to spend more time with family, et cetera, et cetera. And Ken, sharp as a tack, says, oh, is it yours? Yeah. So this time around, a few years on, memory's still good, sharp as a tack. He sees the two girls and he goes, oh, you, you, you've got two now. Um, are they both yours? Yeah. Yeah. And, and then he sort of says, oh, well, clearly, you know, if they are both yours, Mark, they inherited their good looks from their mother. <laughs> so it's like, thanks very much, Ken. And then it's just really strange because um, obviously I brought along the match program um, from the Millennium Stadium. So like went round, got all the Chelsea players. Um, we'd probably do selfies now, but I've got the program autographed by the whole, whole of the team. Uh, and while I was doing that and actually having a beer with Martin and Neil Barnett, having a good sort of catch up, Ken and Susanna looked after the girls. They sort of babysat them. You know, so eventually, you know, you are a responsible parent. You can't get completely lashed, even if it's a free do. So sort of like head home sort of like early afternoon, you know, and get, get back home, you know, with the girls. Um, and my wife sort of says to me, you know, OK, you know, do you have a good time? You know, yeah, but said to the girls, do you have a good time? And they were high on E-numbers. <laughs> you know, literally, Ken had been sort of like giving them a sugar rush the whole afternoon while I was having a drink at the bar and they were raving to their mother about this lovely man who spent the afternoon looking after them who looked like Father Christmas <laughs> and my wife looks at me goes what Ken Bates I go yeah really I go yeah Ken Bates it's, it's absolutely astonished because like my my wife's last memory of Ken was of like when I wrote a certain book the previous year not that book that book that yes. book that book that yes. very book that book yeah the previous year we talked about on the previous show yeah that when i wrote that book and this is my wife's lasting memory of ken bates at that time when the letter came in shortly afterwards from peter carter ruck and company um suing me for intellectual copyright for using the title blue tomorrow so that's my wife's lasting memory. I wish I could find the letter from Carter Ruck. It's somewhere in the house. Commonly so, known, by the way, Mark, as Carter Fuck. Absolutely. So, and she knew who Carter Ruck was. So that's her lasting memory. And the girls come back sort of like, you know, absolutely raving about this wonderful man called Ken Bates. My wife couldn't believe it. Were you sued by um, Mike Canaris? No. Well, who, who, would, who would got the copyright on Blue Tomorrow then? It would have been a song. Well, Ken, Ken basically um, sued me for intellectual copyright, making reference to the song. Uh, or was it, was it, or, no, actually, sorry, sorry. No, was it the other way around? I think he sued me for intellectual copyright because of the radio station. Yeah, and I said, you know, it was the song that inspired me to call the book Blue Tomorrow. Yeah. And so, you won? We settled out of court. You won? No, we didn't have to go to court. I sent him a copy of the book. 
um because they hadn't even read it he just saw the title blue tomorrow sent a fizzle off from carter ruck and i basically said read the book if there's anything in there uh i'll do a retraction and apologize and make a donation to chelsea picture owners and he never came back to me so there was nothing in there there was a few things a bit close to the edge, but I had a lawyer go through a fine tooth comb yeah. before I published it. As, as we all do. Yeah. Well, there you go. So uh, what, an, what an amazing story to end pretty much the season and a, and a very disappointing. I mean, it, you know, it was it's weird, isn't it? It, it? Losing to Arsenal was just horrible at that time. It was, it was immensely disappointing. Very much for me, my first FA Cup final, very disappointed. But I have to say, because I was with such a great group of people who become great friends ever since i mean fucking hell i started the podcast with dr mark but psycho phil the norman boys mark uh, jerry keith all of these kind of guys people i still see in the same pubs now uh, it kind of made it uh, less of a bit of pill to swallow really because it just told me this is what it's all about really as mark often says i often say a great day out with your mates drinking ruined by 90 minutes of football. So very Chelsea experience, really. Uh, to, to, to finish off the season, we managed to lose 3-1 at home to Villa with Crouch scoring and Vassell scoring and Dion Dublin scoring and Ida scoring a penalty. Not, Crouch was excellent that day. He was. As was Kudicini, who kept him out yeah. a number of times. I mean, yeah. they were a bit hungover after the cup final, understandably, really. So as a result, we needed to win that match to, go fit, to stay fifth, but... Uh, we ended up in six as a result to add uh, to pile on more disappointment. So, I mean, JK, you've been alluding to it for most of the show, most of the two parts. I mean, if I was to sum it up, I would say, well, it, it was a bit of a season of transition in some ways, and there was a lot of turmoil off the pitch and a lot of frustration on it. Well, perhaps the turmoil off the pitch was a kind of manifestation of the, I think perhaps of the, the, the use of youth who'd come in because Frank was very naive has come from uh, come from West Ham, and JT was uh, was a uh, a youngster in the setup. But um, to me, if they'd actually if he'd consistently chosen an eleven to play, um, I mean, injury obviously would have got in the way. But there were several players that I wouldn't have have continued playing, and there was no need to play them. It was almost as if Ranieri felt that he had to give people a go, and I never understood that about him as a manager. He would just choose people to have a to play regardless of whether they'd played well in the previous game or suddenly a person who played well in the previous game wouldn't be selected and he'd just choose someone else. And to me, the the if the team was just restricted to um, the best 11, you had... Um, so who, Lampard... who, who, who's your top side? Because we were going to do this, weren't we? Yeah, yeah, this is my top side. Um uh, this is presu- some of them were injured at some times. I know I wouldn't play Melchiot ever because I thought Melchiot was a really loose cannon and really was likely to give goals away. And yet he um, he was the third highest appearance maker. Yeah, yeah. To me, well, if you've got f- four players at the back and uh, one, but he yield, he brought Babiaro in a lot as well. And also we had the appearance of Ferrer a couple of times. Was he completely inept all the way through the season? What happened there? And there was a game where Jody Morris played. There were several. How many yeah, games Jody, did Jody Morris Jody, play? Jody was out for three months with an injury, if you remember. He had that injury in the middle, but before that, he'd been selected. Even then, I still felt on my best 11. Morris only be... played 10 games, five uh, five of which yeah, were sub-appearance. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but no, no, what I'm saying is he still played 10, with, as well as with the injury. Would he, was he a permanent player in it? I just There wasn't a consistency. Gallus was phenomenal, should have played every single game of the season. And he wasn't, I don't think I remember him being injured. 
Um, Soxie was in and out, was terrific. Um, Petit, off and on, as you say, he didn't really set anything alight. And yet, and yet, you know, a very uh, uh, somebody who 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 put in a, a display. Um, if you were going to have a midfield player, I can't see any alternative to him. Um, uh, or instead of him, play Dalabona all the way through. Um, uh, when I, I watch Dalabona a lot, and I think I think my view of Dalabona, which I've given on these on these um, fifty years, is I was disappointed in him. I think one of the reasons, I, looking back on it, he had great promise. I just think he was a bit slow in getting back occasionally, did give the ball away, but he was young. I think it was the fact that he didn't want to play for Chelsea anymore. That actually gave me a, it tainted my view of him as a player. The fact that he wanted to get away and play for Milan, which I felt considering we were giving him all his chances. But at the same time, he didn't play enough. I mean, I'll, I'll give you my bet. Let's build from the front. We've got Jimmy Floyd, Hasselbank, Ida Good Johnson and Zola. Should have played every single game with so those two, three. Two, one, two or... You know, Zola in behind. Yes, yes, absolutely. Regardless, I don't care what system he's trying to play. He should have played them. They're all completely world class players. Completely, Floyd Hasselbank was phenomenal. Idaka Johnson equally phenomenal this season in particular. And and Gianfranco, despite his getting into advanced years, a magician, complete magician, always likely to bring something to the to the game that you didn't see before on a pass or a cross or something. You play them all from the very beginning. I don't know what he was trying to do with him. This carries on all the way through his tenure with Zola Ranieri, off and on, in and out, subbed at weird times. Don't never got it. So you've got those three. You've got um Bosnish should have played from the very beginning of the of the season because I know Carlo was injured because De Hoy wasn't good enough. And Bosnich, when he came in, absolutely played brilliantly until his injury. Um Great shot, um, shot blocker, abs absolutely superb. So already he's making mistakes from the very beginning. Gronkia, um, playing terrifically, got injured unfortunately, had to have surgery. But you'd have he was in a, in the best eleven. He would have been playing. Um, uh, Desai, um, uh, I know he 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 was great at putting in. He tended to choose his games to play, but you know, actually I mean, I, I, an immense. I'd, I'd have had a three at the back with Gallus, Desai, and JC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. I agree. I agree. Mm. So it ought to be JT and Gallus. And um, who was the other one you mentioned? Desai. Um, Desai, yeah, with a three. Yeah. Mm. Now, Stanich came in and out. Decent player, but not the same. Bother? Not the same after that injury, I thought, this season. No, never, no. never, never. No. So real, you've got, real um, shame, JK, because I think he was a fucking a completely, superb player. He was player. a very decent player. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But still, how many games do you play, Chidge? Not many. Uh, 25. It's quite a lot, actually, yeah. in the context. So he, he did play a lot more. He, yeah. he played a lot more. And Lamps, every single game for the season, should play. Now, that's 11. And to me, that is a, a top 11. And he should have aspired to that, to play it as often as possible, because they get used to each other's um, abilities. It's, it's, it's stock stuff. You just, you know, they, they'll know where they all are. They just, they'll cement each other. And we, and... And they'd have all scored goals as well from midfield and from other positions. I know you said one of the reasons they didn't they, they didn't finish um, uh, higher than six was because only the front two scored. But you have got great players. There were three great players there. Lamps coming up, JT improving, defence getting better. Fantastic goalkeeper when Carlo played. Um, would have got points at the beginning of the season if De Hoy hadn't played because we'd have either won or drawn games. Um, uh, Zenden versus Cotton Sox wouldn't have played him at all. Um, uh, Dalabona wouldn't have played him. Um, uh, you wouldn't uh, need Forcell. to. You would have you would have uh, Graham Lasso on the left as a wing back, effectively. Yeah. 
Yeah. And Gronkia yeah. on the yeah. right as a wing back, effectively. Yeah. If Gronkia hadn't been injured, I suppose you could have brought another one in. Yeah. But um, for me to do all these changes was absolutely ridiculous. Ridiculous. There was no, but this was his, the whole problem with him for the whole of his tenure as a manager at Chelsea. And Bates, to my bemusement, revealed his complete lack of understanding or the agenda that he possibly had with the club in some way of having a, um, a disciplinarian in charge is he gave him a five-year contract at the end of this yeah. season. Yeah. Whereas I wanted him out. Yeah. Ranieri out. That's all we could hear from the I East think, Middle. Ranieri out, I, please. I'm afraid I, I'm afraid I shouted that. You did. You at were. the end of the season, I got told to be quiet. Did you? exactly what i did at the villa game yeah, yeah. it's exactly what i did yeah yeah, yeah. yeah and people well, going shush 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 please Oi, please mate, we don't behave like listen, that here we, we don't behave like that in the east no. end middle we don't this is not and the I'm roman going, abramovich era terrible. what are you doing he's a terrible manager get out we want him out we do not i think he's fine so uh we had we had that kind of thing going on but for me um uh it was just you know and suddenly these appearance all right you're giving youth a chance he gave youth a go he gave cola go towards the end you know, but um, uh, you've got these players, these terrific players. You've got to try and keep on playing the same team if you can. You play your best players. You don't fart about. Yeah. He just farted about all the time, Ranieri. I could not stand him. Uh, I think we're quite clear on where JK stands, Mark. I mean, I think actually JK's just done a brilliant thing there to select a, 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 the best 11. And I have to say, I pretty much agree with him wholeheartedly on that. But where, where, where would you stand on that, Mark? I, I, I don't think I really can disagree with him. I, yeah. My dilemma is when I was trying to do it as JK was speaking, there's nine strong players there. You know, so you'd have Lampard, Zola, Hasselbank, Terry, Gudjonsson, Kudicini, Gallus, Lasso, and Desailly. I think there's a nine definite. And I was just trying combinations. And I didn't think about three at the back. I was trying to make four at the back work. So I'd have Gallus at the back with so as a left back. Uh, and then you've got players. I might have had Delabonna in it because, I'm, as you know, I'm a fan of Delabonna. I wasn't sold on Petit. I thought Petit, for the amount of games he played and his credentials, he should have been a far better player. And I think over the course of the season, Lampard emerges as the player at Chelsea. He makes the most yeah. appearances. Yeah. He was our yeah. best player at Wembley, as, as we said earlier. Uh, but Petit should have been a big player. Yeah, Lampard was an emerging young player coming through the ranks at West Ham. Petit was the established World Cup winner. And he, he never did it. He was just like a, a French Mickey Fillery <laughs> lot, 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 uh, with a ponytail. French a Mickey Fillery. You're just a French Mickey Fillery. <laughs> A lot of talent, but wasn't wasn't strong enough. And I think the the, the, the trouble is, then JK's absolutely right with the Ranierians, the Tinkerisms. Is you had those players like Yakanovic, like Zenden, like Stanich, lots of players that played about 16, 17 games, substituted for each other. I think I know he was injured. I think Gronkiar could have had a far better crack of the whip. So Gronkiar might have been my tenth player. Uh, but I'd struggle to find 11. I might just put Della Bonner in it just to make the numbers up. Yeah, I like him as a player. But there was too many players not playing enough games. And I can understand if we were in all four competitions throughout the season. We went yeah. out of Europe yeah. far too soon. We were gone yeah, from the Wellington Cup by January. So in the second half of the season, no we excuse. had the FA Cup and we, and we got to the final and, and get higher in the league as possible. And if you think where, where we sort of finished December, we finished December in sixth place in the league. 
We finished the season. Sixth place, sixth in, the place in the league. We finished the season last season. Sixth yeah. place in the league. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't move on in the second half of the season when we had less games. We did, we weren't firing on all four competitions because again, too many players in and out of the side. JK's right. Consistent eleven winning becomes a really good habit. And if you look at that second part of the season and that point made earlier by Carlo Cudicini, there were silly points that we that we let go. Losing to Charlton away, losing to Charlton at home, like Blackburn. Two nil nils, yeah. Point shot. Blackburn weren't the force. Ipswich, yeah. Another team who got relegated. Who got re- Thank you. I was going to say who got relegated. Derby got relegated. Leicester. We can only we got a draw at Derby. So lots of sort of silly points dropped against. And no disrespect to Villa. Yeah, you're right. What we were hung over after after that. But last game of the season, you're playing a team lower in the division than you, and you know if you win that game. You finish above Leeds in fifth place. That was just poor. It was. It was poor, indeed. Poor end of the season. I think one of the things actually that merges out of what you're you're both saying, the, the thing that JK kicked off with the team, the the weak area, ironically, was the midfield. When you think about how many midfield players we had, mm. it was the weak area. The only one who absolutely is nailed on to start in the midfield, whether it's a it's a two or a three or a, or a four, including wing-backs, is Lampard. Because uh, just whizzing down here, I mean, I suppose you could include Graham Lasso in the midfield, so that would make it two. But Dalabona wasn't quite at it. Petit definitely wasn't at it. Stanich, I don't think, was ever the same player after those injuries, which, which I think is an absolute tragedy because he was such a fucking good player. Zenden really wasn't doing it. Jukanovic was absolutely not doing it. Jody Morris possibly could have been a good player, but I think his career got blighted by naughtiness and injury. Who does that leave? That's it, really. So we, it was the midfield that was the weak link for Chelsea, even though we'd signed Frank Lampard at that season, who actually, bless his little heart, although he had a shaky start, went on... I mean, he had most, as you said, Mark, he had most appearances, and he emerged as the standout player in that team. That was his... I mean, he managed to have a breakthrough season in the space of six months, if you see what I mean, which is actually outstanding when you think about it. And the fact, as I said earlier on, he dominated Patrick Vieira in in that FA Cup final, who at the time was probably the best midfielder in, in the Premier League. In fact, one of the best midfielders in the world. And that's the frustration about this season. Within that season, there were some superb performances. Mm. We talked about beating Liverpool at home. The two four nils against Tottenham, normal service being resumed. The three nil win against Manchester United. The five one win against Bolton. The five one win against West Ham. The win away at West Ham in the FA Cup. There were some tremendous performances. The win away oh, at Newcastle top- away when they were top of the league. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, within that and, and the form of Goodjonson and Hasselbank. Well, fifty two might- goals for, from your two main strikers. Boom. That, that's title win. That's title winning form. The, the response of Ranieri to a big victory was frequently to change the side <laughs> for, the, for the next game. That was his. That was the norm with him. He wouldn't play the same team. I mean, it was a surprise if he played the same team. The very fact that you commented, uh, and the fact there's even a, sorry, not you commented in the video. The 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 I think it was Mark Goodyear was doing the uh, the commentary and kept saying "we," which rather disturbed me because I think he's a Leeds fan, but um, um, or somewhere like that up there. But, he, but uh, the very fact he kept saying. Um, Ranieri kept the same team for the next game after the victory, the, as if this was strange. Well, it was. This was a rare. This was a rarity. It was. 
Listen, I know we've just big Lampard up massively, but I think actually an even bigger emergence this season was actually JT, as we were saying when we were talking about the cup final. I mean, he he really did start looking like the player that we, we knew and loved for a very, very long time. I mean, as did Frank in his own way, but I think JT... You know, if you, if you look at Lamps and, because Lamps and JT's careers at Chelsea, you know, do go in parallel very much, even though Lamps... dovetailed a bit. They did, they? didn't yes. they? Yeah. And we, it's it's very hard not to see them as a, as a as a couplet, really. But that at that time in the, at that season, JT was slightly above uh, uh, Frank, in my opinion. I think it levelled out from there on in. But you know, JT was superb this season. He emerged as a real player and a real leader. I think on the pitch. <laughs> I hasten to add, there's more to come next next uh, next season, isn't there? And the other one I think is is well worth uh, giving a massive big up to. I mean, we've talked about Hasselbank and Johnson consistently through the show about how bloody marvellous they were, and you know, 52 goals between them is is phenomenal. As I said, that's you know, some great goals as well. Yeah, great great goals. That's that's great title dribbling, that's tight skill. That's know? title winning form from your strikers, really, and that shows you in a sense how frustrating this season was, but. Carlo Cudicini establishing himself as our number one. People forget this because poor old Carlo, his career was utterly subsumed by the arrival of Petr Cech. But up until that point, Carlo was was one of the most supporters' favourite players at the club. He was fucking superb as a goalkeeper. He used to save penalties and shots for fun. He was so highly, highly thought of, respected and loved at Chelsea. And he won the Player of the Year that season, which kind of says it all. Not many goalkeepers win Player of the Year. He did, you know, so he was, he was, it was lovely to see him emerge as such a great player this season, I think. And I think that gets overlooked with the passing of time, Mark. I think, I think you're right. And that's the other thing as well. I, I looked at that earlier because I, I, my, my thought, because he won it last year, I thought, what year did J, JT win player of the year? And it was the year before. So I was surprised to be reminded that Carlo was player of the year this year. And you look at those performances, JT was superb, Frank emerged, Jimmy and Ida, and actually, even though I was critical of him um, on a previous show, I thought Desai was magnificent this season as well. You know, him and Terry together. The defence was Gallus. solid. Gallus. Gallus. Well. Yeah. Gallus. And Lasso, you know, Lasso was Lasso. A, a good a good club man. Lasso did a fine job. Kudicini in that company to win player of the year says a lot. Yeah. But also we're talking about these, the, all these players you've just mentioned there were terrific. Uh, and therefore, it doesn't. It must be some something was happening within the club that didn't allow them to perform as well as they should have done. Because you've got, as you say, Soxie occasionally mad diving in. Terrific player, England international, great, great ability, superb passer of the ball and crosser of the ball, and a terrifically quick, quick defender. Desai, top, top player, um, uh, oh, Milan, cup, cup well, European Cup winner, France, yeah. um, uh, Gallus. Uh, Great signing. I mean, the coach who came in up the the scout who came up with him. You know, uh, hats off to that. Brilliant. And uh, and until his madness, uh, an, an absolutely superb contributor for Chelsea. Phenomenal player. And and so already we're talking about and the three Zola Zola um, Jimmy Floyd and, and Ida. So what what happened to the rest of the team? Why did the rest of the team not perform in this period? Because they what weren't happened? good enough. Because they weren't good enough somehow. Yeah. Well, we, I think we, I mean, you know, it's harsh to say it, but we can say this, I think, really very accurately with 20 years hindsight. But the players that I listed a minute ago, Dalla Bonner, ultimately not good enough. Petit, 
Great yeah. player, but not good enough at Chelsea. The fact they're selected. The fact you, I think you're right, Petit was very weak in comparison. Yeah. And But the very fact that he plays them, and then Yakanovich, the very fact that this... I'll go on about this manager till I'm blue in the face. The fact that he picks the complete idiocy of a player like Yakanovich speaks volumes for the manager. What on earth was he doing? Also, what was he doing to team spirit? They're not mugs, these players. They will have been aware that they, they're carrying a complete passenger in midfield if he plays. Yeah. What what on earth? I'd like to actually find out what their view of Ranieri was during this period. I can't remember what Jimmy Very Floyd bad. Hasselbank... I can book, tell you. I book. can tell you. Yeah. I can tell you. because yeah, I, I, thought... I worked with Graham Lasso uh, in right. 2006 and got to know him quite well, actually, which is not easy because Soxie's quite a... A reserved bloke. He's not not very gregarious chap. I, I liked him a lot actually, and he he. I'll tell you a funny story about it because it was when I was working, uh, doing those World Cup shows, and I had the most brilliant. It's when I got to know Ray and Peter Reed and Celez and all of that lot. So there'd be regular pundits for us, and I would I would sit in the green room with them and watch World Cup matches, and we'd all get fed, you know, because we'd feed everybody. And Graham Lasso stopped me and the crew eating, you know, drinking lager and having bad food like kebabs. So we all ended up eating what was known as Fizio salad, which was basically lots of peppers and lettuce and uh, mozzarella. I don't know. It's really healthy shit, basically. It was Lasso that insisted that we we used to use this um, Italian uh, restaurant as a takeaway place, Toti Tutti or something in uh, St. John's Road in Clapham. They deliver it all. But it was it was Lasso that made us eat salad. All right. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, <laughs> cutting a long story short, but I I asked him about Ranieri and he said, oh, he was fucking useless, basically. He said, he just, we said we couldn't understand what he was saying. We didn't understand what he was trying to do. And he used to come up with really mad shit. And, and I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, he used to like, his, his idea of a rousing speech was, you have a lion, you have a lion on your shirt. I need you to go out and be my lions. And he said the team would look at him like he was fucking nuts. And he was he would say, I need you to be really aggressive. I need you to go out with a kneef in your teeth. And, and, and you know, you know so this is this is a direct quote from Soxie. And he said, he, we, all thought, we all thought he was barking, mate. What an up to it. So there you go, JK. Your gut instincts were right. Ranieri out. Ranieri out. Ranieri out. out. Sit well, down. A year later, a year like or two later, I was, I was, I was, I was, Ranieri yeah, out. Yeah, get, yeah, get, yeah. Steward, steward, escort this man out. Escort you see, the thing out. is, JK, you were ahead of your time. You know, that's why the Roman Abramovich era suited you so much, because after every 18 oh. months, you could say whoever it was out and you'd get your wish, you know. <laughs> yes, I'd achieve it. I didn't need to bother. I just went, you, out. And he got they, they I know. Listen, I'm just going to wrap this up with a couple of questions, really. Uh, the first one is, do you think Zola was being phased out, Mark? Because he only played about... Let me have a look. He, well, he actually... Do you know what? He played more games than I thought. 22, 28 starts, 22 sub-appearances. So may, maybe not. Was he being phased out or what? I don't think he was actually being phased out. Um, I think he's probably the victim of Ranieri's tinkering because if you add up the number of games, only Lampard was involved in the squad more. You know, Lampard, 53 games, and he started 49 of them. So he even had Lampard sub four times, growing out loud. But it was just, it just, as JK said several times, it just did not make sense. You've got two brilliant forwards. Zola was just made for that number 10 role behind behind those yeah. superb front two, yeah. 52 goals between them. He was underused this season. I don't think they'll phase him out. I, he had a talent in front of him, and he didn't make the best use of him. I mean, we had arguably in Zola the best number 10 we've never had. 
Yeah. He was hardly ever played as a number 10, really, if you think about it. But in the, in, the, in, the, in the twilight of his career, when he perhaps didn't have the legs, that would have been perfect for him. Ranieri, you're nuts, mate. Now, the other question I'm going to ask you, Mark, because I know this is your specialty, because apparently you've written a book about it, although I'd never heard See? of it. Apparently, what? J.K., mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't know. You even got sued for it. Didn't even know that. Did he? Yeah, apparently. I was in a song called Blue Tomorrow you? once. You know? I'm going to sue you. Yeah. You can't use that. Uh, anyway. Oh, sorry, I was, in a, I was in a song called... That's the one. Yeah, that's all right. Listen, Mark... Yeah. We didn't know this at the time. I mean, those of us who were in the know, and I certainly wasn't ITK in those days, but there was this issue of debt hovering in the background, wasn't there? I mean, it comes to light more next season. But, we, I mean, you were much closer to it all than, than I would have been. I mean, was, 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 were you concerned about that? Did you have much knowledge about that? De- definitely. Uh, obviously, um, I'd written a book um, the previous year, and got a lot of stick for sort of being sort of like the Ides of March and Doom. But the Euro bond was a huge risk. The £8 million interest we were paying at the time was a huge risk. The Millennium Suites were a huge risk for the 10-year deals that Uncle Ken was sort of selling them on. And it was a real concern that even though the West End was open, the Millennium Suites weren't being used. Uh, and he was gambling a lot on... The success on the pitch would obviously sort of fill the stands off the pitch and bring in that money in in the corporate sector. And it didn't quite work under Ranieri because at times he was a bit unpredictable. Um, and it really bears out the following season when, if we were going back in time, we were chatting about it offline early tonight, you're in the nose from 20 years ago, tweeting, if Twitter had existed, about who had been linked with... 20 years ago would have been complete and utter tosh because we only buy one player. Well, we didn't I, even buy him. It was a no, Kike De Lucas was a free. One, we got him free. As, yes, exactly. We didn't spend any money because of the financial situation the club was in. Yeah. But more about that on the next show. Well, in, indeed. And I think just to absolutely put a line under it, assuming we, you know, let's pretend we didn't know that that was about to happen. I think what's really weird for me about this season, I, I, I suspect a lot of this is is tainted by the fact that I was just so... I mean, you boys probably can't understand this, but I cannot tell you how excited I was to be back and how excited I was to be back with a whole gang to go with because that's what I'd never had at the football before. I was kind of going maybe with one mate or just on my own. And this, I suddenly discovered this experience which you buggers had known for all of your lives about going to football with a whole gang of you and drinking heavily and just absolutely getting into the whole football's a great day out with your mates room by 90 minutes of football experience. So I was really just so pumped and excited. Um, I get my first season ticket next season as it happens. So that tells you everything you need to know. But I was just loving it. I was just so happy to be back. So I have a bit of a weird rose-tinted spectacle view of it. But the question I think really occurs to me is difficult to answer whatever way you look at it which is did you feel that we were on the way up or on the way down and I think it's a hard one to answer because you know we just got to a cup final we've got great players that we've been talking about but was there more of a feeling that oh actually you know what really that was perhaps just a last hurrah and maybe it's all going to go tits up JK uh, no I, I, I felt that I mean I was I was distraught when Bates gave him a five-year deal I mean but I, I thought that um, a better manager would would win stuff with this team, with this bunch of players. But there was always the. the I think what happened. What I've always felt is always the hope 
that the following season, some of the, the there'd be a change round and that there'd be about four or five players out and four or five players in again. Um, I almost feel that but it's, 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 it's what we've been doing with the current crop. You know, we keep identifying all these, these players who really just don't aren't good enough and nothing happens to them. They just hang about and then to our horror, come on as subs in games and we know they're useless and they perform exactly the way that they've been performing all the time. We've been able to observe how bad they are. They're useless. And, uh, and I think that's one of the problems with contracts. It's, it's, you always hope that players will be on their way. Um, uh, and that we, there will be a renewal in some way so the following season. So I'm always positive for the following season. Um, uh, and and my, my attitude was, well, if they can just, if Ranieri can somehow stop, you don't know what's going on. You think perhaps he'll stop tinkering next year. Perhaps he'll stop playing these players. Perhaps he'll, he'll uh, appreciate that he has about six or seven of the top players in the league. And the club, will the club, snatch a trophy from somewhere i'm not thinking they're going to be great uh, I, I, I there was always the attitude that we're we're there or thereabouts and sixth is probably about right but looking at the team um uh at the potential of the team you know there's something going wrong somewhere and it and my my assessment was always that he was never picking the team consistently enough so therefore i'm blaming the manager rather than the players in this instance i know kerry always says it's down to the players but um if if the manager isn't assembling them right and the and the attitude's not right in the changing room as a consequence of the manager, then you, you know you're fighting an uphill battle. But no, I I I went I as always I go into every single season with um, with enthusiasm always because I don't never quite know what's going to happen and you you get an idea from the first few games. So um, uh, and, and with 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 Jimmy Floyd and, and, and Ida, you just you 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 never knew what was going to happen. I just thought they would score hundreds of goals because they were so great mm-hmm. so in a sense you just also like, just enjoy watching the games you go along to think well right we might we might not do very well again this season but my goodness what a fantastic center forward we've got mm-hmm. what two great strikers and what a genius uh, John Franco is and you give into that and you think well we might chip a few goals so I suppose you don't go in thinking this is going to be the season but you go in positively because of the the positive things you've seen from the season before yeah excellent Mark way up or way down uh, interestingly, because we talked about it when I was on that quiz show tonight, um, Simon O'Brien asked me that question during the recording of the show, um, uh, and I said the jury was out on Ranieri. Mm. It, was, it, was, it was that sort of 50... There was a lot of highs in this season, but still lots of disappointments. The, the calibre of that team... And it is interesting when we talk about it on the next show, because we haven't got any money... We clearly went for it this year. So credit Colin Hutchinson on Bates. We spent £30 million, which was a lot of money back in 20 years ago. We, we got World Cup internationals. We got bright young talent. You know. um, so they invested in Ranieri. So Bates must have thought Ranieri was the man. And it didn't quite come off. Mm. But it didn't come off. Yeah, we finished sixth. Yeah, excellent stuff. Final, final, final question. Favourite moment of the season, JK? Um, I think um, Jimmy Floyd's Spurs hat trick. Yeah, I'm going to go for that, which pains quite, me because I want I want to say Zola's goal, but Jimmy's hat trick against Spurs. Yeah, yeah no, but, but but remarkable, a remarkable, remarkable player and a remarkable hat trick. Yeah. Just brilliant. Jimmy Floyd was a uh, there are lots of joyous moments watching. This is why I say it's like watching your team and 
appreciating great moments that you aren't necessarily winning a trophy, but mm. you are watching great players. Yeah. And that's one of the things about Chelsea I've always said. Appreciate the great players when they're there because yeah. they won't be there for no, long. That's very good advice. Mark, your favourite moment? Yeah, I'd probably have to agree. Oh, unless I vary it slightly and say those four days in the month of March from the Sunday to the Wednesday. The four by four. The four by four, yeah. yeah. I'd settle for that and the T-shirt, yeah. of course. And the T-shirt, of if course. only yeah. I knew what happened to it. If only I could still fit into it. Actually, I might be able to again. Now, if I can fit into this shirt again. I mean, this isn't bad. I bought this 20 years ago. More. I can fit into it. There we go. There's a future there somewhere. Um, I can't tell you how much fun this has been. I can't. It's almost as much fun as the fact that I was actually back and feel I can talk about some of these fucking games with authority, which I haven't been able to do for the previous 30-odd shows that we've done on this subject. But uh, it's been delightful being back to do the show. It's been delightful spending an evening in the company of JK and Mark. Uh, and I hope you've enjoyed it half as much as we have. And we will be back next week to do 2002 to 2003. A rather portentous season coming up. Another one, I think. But there you go. We'll be back soon. Take care. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.